Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you smell real good. <laughs> the Bible says we're a sweet aroma to the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's just something you never hardly tell anybody, though. But uh, here you go, Pastor. Walk soft and carry a big stick. That's what I always say. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that song service, Brother Scotty. Where'd you go? Good job. And Sissy, where are you at? Oh, she's already gone. Okay. Then these, then these uh, songbirds over here were serenade me. I'll tell you that. It was good stuff. Well, did you have a nice afternoon? Yes. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Starting at verse number 15. So as much as is in me is, the Apostle Paul is writing here, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now when it says Greek there, it's really translating the nations. Anybody that wasn't Jewish were the other nations, right? Can you say amen? Verse 17. For therein, that is the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul is quoting from the second chapter of Habakkuk there. The just shall live by faith. Now you read those scriptures there and I'm almost certain that you believe you understand what it means. Amen? But I found out over the many years that most Christians really do not understand what it means when we're talking about faith. In fact, if there's any one subject in the Bible that's been more perverted, more untruths told about it, more unrightly dividing the word of God, there's probably not another subject more than faith other than perhaps the Godhead of Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've read this passage in all of my years. And I can honestly say that it was just up to recently that it began to become more aware to me that there's more to this than just a simple I believe. I believe. In fact, I found myself asking this question, what does it mean? What does it mean to live by faith? Is it as easy as some would say that all you have to do really is acknowledge that there's a God? All you have to do is acknowledge that Jesus Christ is his son? Or how about all you have to do is really just live a good life, doing good deeds. In fact, even ministry. Having ministry accomplishments. Are these the terms that we use to define what it means by living by faith? 
How bad would it sound to you today if Brother Johnny said that not just by doing these or believing these things will actually qualify you as a person who lives by faith? For example, believing there is a God doesn't define a life of faith. James chapter 2, verse 19, the brother James said, You say you have faith? You say you believe that there is one God? Well, good for you. But what does that get you? For even the demons, now listen to me, even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear. Even the ungodly know there's a God. Romans chapter 1 again, verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all wicked people, watch this, who suppress the truth. Truth, it's talking about truth. Can you say amen? Suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, they know the truth about God. They know the truth about God. Because he has made it obvious to them. They can't deny it. Or they can't de they do deny it. But if they were intellectually honest, they can't deny it. There's no such thing as an intellectually honest atheist. Can't be. No, it's been revealed to them, but they suppress the truth in their wickedness. In fact, verse 20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Though everything God made, they can clearly see the invisible qualities of his eternal power and his divine nature. And watch this. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. There's no excuse for not knowing God. Just walk out on a starry, starry night and look up. Can you say Amen. And when you're looking up into that great Milky Way galaxy, which is 100 million years at its diameter across it, 100 million light years, I should say, boy, you feel small right away, don't you? They're like a little tiny speck. When you think about the grandeur of God, the greatness of God, and by the way, he breathed all of those into existence. The star-breathing God, hallelujah. Glory to God. And not only that, but he's named each one of them. I had a hard time coming up with a name for all my babies, much less trying to name all the stars. Yes, it says in verse 21, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The Bible says as a result their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. I listened to some of these talking heads on TV. Oh, they're graduates from Yale and Harvard and Princeton and, you know, all these grand universities. And they're not much older than a drink of water. Amen. Seriously, they're just young men and women. And suddenly they had all this profound wisdom. They can, they can tell you, they can try to articulate you world affairs. Seriously? Seriously? Articulate this. Who made God? They can't, even, they can't even start going down that road, can they? But you know God wasn't made, was he, hon? Always was and always is. They cannot even travel with that. They profess themselves to be wise, but they're actually foolish, foolish people. Even the Jews, by the way, while we're on the subject, who glorified in the law of Moses, the Jews had to come to the stark reality that as holy as the law of God is, there was no life in it. They could find no faith that lives keeping the law. The law was weak in that area. 
It was a holy law. Surely it's a holy law. I mean, God gave it. Can you say, man, it came from God. But in all of its grandeur and holiness, it could not save you. The very best it did was to tell you how sinful you really are and how holy God really is. I think it was Paul who said it was like a schoolmaster, a teacher. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse number 11. Here's what Paul said to the Galatian church, that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. And he quotes it again. For the just shall live by faith. So what is it? This thing called faith. And second question, how do I live by it if I have been justified? Well, I'm here to help you tonight. Because out on your news television, especially these so-called Christian television stations, you got to be careful there, folks. I said you got to be careful there. Real careful. There's a popular movement on television by those who call themselves the Word of Faith Preachers. So I'd ask myself, is the word of faith biblical? Does it come from the Bible? And let me start by saying that the word of faith teaching is in fact decidedly unbiblical. Unbiblical. Instead, let me tell you what the word of faith movement is. It is a movement that is heavenly influenced by a number of very high profile pastors and teachers Uh, You may know some of them, you may not, unless you kind of follow that movement. Pastors like Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, and many, many more I could name, but I'll name those right away. Many others. And what this movement does, this Word of Faith movement, well, it actually, historically, it grew out of the Pentecostal movement in the late 20th century, and its founder was a fellow by the name of E.W. Kenyon. I've read his writings. But E.W. Kenyon, who studied metaphysical sciences, new thought teachings, and another word to put it, mind science, name it and claim it. As you speak, so are you. Amen. So shall it be. And they combine that with the Pentecostal movement because it's become very popular in our day. And I'm not against Pentecostalism. I, I pastor an Assembly of God church. Hello? But I'm telling you what true faith is. I'm an ordained Baptist preacher, but I, I pastor an Assembly of God church. Go figure. Because I preach the Word of God, folks. Can you say amen? Individual teachings in this movement range from completely heretical to completely ridiculous. And what follows is the basic theology most one of faith teachers align themselves with. And let me tell you what that is. At the heart of this movement is the belief in the force of faith. It is believed that words, everybody say words. Words, words can be used to manipulate the faith force, and thus actually create what they believe. In other words, all I got to do is say it, and it'll come to pass. Pastor David Cho in Korea, who has one of the largest churches in the world, quote unquote, 100,000 members or more, taught visualization. He said, you want to visualize what you want. You want a car? What kind of car? What color car? How many, how many, how many, uh, how big an engine? You had to visualize that and then you got to speak it. And if you visualize it and speak it, next thing you know, you'll have it in your garage. That's not living by faith. The scriptures do promise us many things. In fact, someone counted them up. There's supposed to be like 33,000 and some promises in God's word. 
For example, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Can you say amen? God's able to keep those things which I commit to him against that day. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. <laughs> Amen. I could go on and on. <coughs> I shall provide all of your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Yes. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Yes. I can keep on going talking about the promises of God. But they teach that these faith laws are supposedly govern the faith force and are said to operate independently of God's sovereignty, God's sovereign will. And that the fact is that God himself is subject to these laws. In other words, whatever I say, God must do. Whatever I say, God must do. Well, the Bible says, who can say to the, can the pot, pot say to the potter? <laughs> Folks, Faith is not learning how to manipulate God. Faith is not learning how to manipulate your future. To manipulate your destiny. God does have a plan for your life and that plan is this. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will lead you, he will guide you, he will direct your path. And when you surrender to that truth in faith, believing that God is not a man that he should lie, can you say amen? But you know he's a God who's, who never changes. He's an immutable God and you can take him for his word. Can you say amen? When he says something to you, he means it. And what he means he's going to do, all you have to do is believe what God has said. <coughs> Too many people are trying to manipulate their future. To make it exactly what they want it to be. I don't know about you, but I've prayed for things I really wanted and I got them and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Yes. <laughs> Anybody ever done that? Oh man, take that away. Take that back. Let me take that back. No, you've already passed go, dude. You've got to live with it now. <coughs> but it goes on. From here, this theology strays further and further from the scripture, and it claims this, that God created human beings in his literal, physical image, so we are really little gods. We're little gods. In fact, they teach that before the fall, humans had the potential to call things into existence by using this faith force. And that after the fall, humans took on Satan's nature and lost this ability to call things into existence. So in order to correct this situation, Jesus Christ gave up his divinity, became a man, died spiritually, took Satan's nature upon himself. He went to hell, had to be born again, and rose from the dead with God's nature. And after this, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to replicate the incarnation in believers so that they could come, become now little gods as God had originally intended. You're never going to be a God. You're not little gods now. You are the redeemed of the Lord. And in Christ, you're a new creation. Can you say amen? All the old things have passed away and all things have become new. But when you get to heaven, you're not going to be divinity. You're not going to be little gods. You're still going to be the redeemed of the Lord. Throughout eternity, you're going to be the redeemed of the Lord. And it's still going to be grace that's providing the inheritance that you're receiving when you get to heaven. That's reserved for you right now, waiting for you. But following the natural progression of these teachings as little gods, we again have to, the ability to manipulate the faith force and become prosperous in all areas of our life. You should never be ill. You should never sin. You should never fail. You should, ever, you should never lack for anything. All you got to do is claim it and name it, and claim it, and confess it, and guess what? God is going to give you exactly the kind of life you really want. Folks, Brother Johnny's here to tell you this evening, and you can challenge me later if you want to. Don't do it now. i got some more to preach. That is not in the Bible. That is not the Word of God. That is not. The Bible tells me to pray, and when I pray, believe. Can you say amen? Because if you don't believe when you pray, you won't get what you ask for. 
But when you pray believing. But it also says, don't pray amiss. Amen? Don't pray it upon your flesh, but pray in the spirit and pray in the will of God. So simply put, the word of faith movement, what it does, it exalts man to God's status and reduces God to man's status. And needless to say, this is a false representation of what Christianity is all about. So obviously, the word of faith teaching does not take into account what is in the scripture. And these so-called faith people rely on their own personal revelation. In fact, there's a movement going on in California now. We don't need the Bible anymore. Because we've entered into an era like Paul. And there's new revelation coming down all the time. New revelation that is not canon. It's not in the Bible. That's what we live by now. This new revelation. So when the prophets speak, that's the new word of God. Folks, listen to me. There couldn't be anything more dangerous. That's That's dangerous. Let me tell you about the miracle of that book you're holding in your hand. It's a miracle that it's still here. After all of these centuries, can you say amen? Every skeptic, every scoffer, every devil, every doubter, every unbeliever has tried to has tried to annul it. Can you say amen? And make it of no consequence, but it has survived and still remains today in the 21st century the number one selling book in the world. <laughs> So, if this is not what living by faith is, this name and claim and stuff, so what is faith? What is living by faith? Well, I'm going to start with the English language tonight, since you're all English folks here. We have no verbal form of the word for faith. So, as consequence, Bible translators centuries ago began to use the word believe. They use the word believe to connote the meaning of the word faith. Instead of saying then, I faith, they would grammatically, which would be grammatically incorrect, they say, I believe. I believe. And herein lies the danger. Just because you believe something doesn't make it true. You believe that the the magician pulled the rabbit out of the hat. I saw it with my own eyes, Brother Johnny. I know he did it. He had to do it. He couldn't have done it any other way. No, and it's not magic, by the way, either. It's sleight of hand. It's trickery. There's no, there's no mojo here. It's trickery. It's trickery, sleight of hand. You thought you saw it, but you really didn't see it. Just because you believe something doesn't make that faith. Amen. <laughs> doesn't make it faith. So, but we use this word belief, I believe. What, what do you believe? What do you believe? I believe that Jesus is the son of David. Really? That's what the man in the Gadarene said that had the legion of demons in him. Thou son of David, what do you have to do with us? (laughs) Amen. So instead of faith, there's a referring to the conduct of one's life. Faith is now often associated with the content of one's beliefs or that into which one says he believes. Well, let me explain this. Many different denominations, for example, within Christianity all by itself, but this would also be true with other religions. But Christianity itself, there are perhaps as many as 35,000 to 50,000 different denominations all sharing in one thing in common and each mistakenly believe in, believes its beliefs are just a little more right than the other 49,999. You believe that your faith is more real or more true than the Church of Christ or more true than the Church of God or more true than the Catholic Church or more true than the Presbyterian or they're more true than the Methodists and in turn they believe the same thing. So you can understand why this happens when faith itself is reduced to what do I believe? What do I believe? So what is faith? What is biblical biblical faith? Faith in the Bible. Well, I want to suggest to you that faith itself is best understood like this. How do you trust God? 
How do you trust God? You know what the three Hebrew children said to Nebuchadnezzar when the decree came down to bow down to his idol and worship every time they heard the sound of the music? And if you didn't bow down and worship the idol at the sound of the music, you'd be cast into a lake of fire. And when, he, when Nebuchadnezzar found out that they weren't doing that, he asked them, what are you going to do, boys? And they said, well, we're not going to bow. You're not going to bow? No. Because our God can save us from your fiery furnace. See, that's what they knew. Well, let me tell you, it didn't stop just there. But even if he doesn't save us, <laughs> we're not going to bow down to your idol. God can cure cancer. But even if he doesn't cure cancer, you will get well. Because in heaven, there is no cancer. You may not like that answer. It may sound too simple, but that's what trusting in God's all about. And that's what faith is. Faith says to the doctor, well, doc, I know you don't have any more answers for me. And I thank you for all that you're doing for me and all you've done so far. And I'll keep doing everything you've told me to do best I can. But let me tell you something. I'm putting it all in God's hands. I'm trusting in the Lord. That's living by faith. Your man at the job says, you know what? I got no work. No more work is coming in. I'm going to have to let you go for a while. I'm going to have to lay you off. Do you go into a panic? Well, you're certainly going to go into concerns. Can you say, man? Because if you're like most people, you ain't got enough money laid up for a couple of weeks, much less a couple of months. And it's going to get hard. But because you're a child of God and you're living by faith, you think, well, I sure appreciate the job you give me. And if any work comes up, call me back. Can you say, man, if you don't mind while we're waiting, I'm going to be looking. Amen. Because I know God has something for me. And I'm trusting he's going to lead me. That's living by faith. Are you following me tonight, church? See, the idea of living in faith while we live in our fears and anxieties and wrestle against so many of our personal demons, it's got to stop. Sure, you're going to have your moments of consternation. Sure, you're going to have your moments of anxiety. We're human beings. Come on, somebody say, I'm a human being. If you're not sure, just slap your neighbor. Yeah, you're human, amen? You felt that. No, we're human beings and we have weaknesses. How many say we have weaknesses? Of course we do. Absolutely. <coughs> you think I'm walking around with old Betsy in my hand because I want to? No, it's better than falling down. <laughs> Can you say that? But that isn't going to stop me from serving the Lord and believing that God has a, the best for me because I'm trusting in the Lord. You know what I think? I think I can say with the most confidence that most people who call themselves Christians find it easier to live in faith than to live by faith. You see, folks, it's easy to subscribe to the right beliefs and say, I believe in Jesus. Anybody can say, I believe the Bible is the Bible of Jesus is the Lord, that he rose the third day, and I believe that heaven is real, and I believe, I believe, and, and that's good to you, you do, don't get me wrong, but that's not living by faith. You're living in faith, you got a faith that you believe in, can you say amen, but you're not got a faith that you're walking in. Because if you believe, if you're living what you believe, guess what? Things are going to change. Your life is going to change. If you believe in a transforming Jesus Christ and your life isn't changing, it's staying the same, guess what? You're just living in your faith and not living by faith. Because when you start living by faith, things are going to change in your life. Change is coming. Glory to God. When it comes to being completely at peace, and knowing that God is caring for me, knowing that God is providing for me, and knowing that I have nothing to fear or to be nervous about, that's not easy. Amen? It's not easy to do that. So believe me when I say it's possible to believe in God, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to even believe that what Christ did, he actually did, and to affirm the cross and the resurrection and never be delivered from sin and never be given eternal life. A lot of people believe in that, but they're not born again. 
The Bible says that to as many as believed in him, to them he gave the prerogative to become the children of God. Or the power, the old King James uses the word power. That's the difference, and that's the faith, that's the difference that James tries to explain in his book. James called people who just live in faith, that is, we believe all these things, these, these caricatures of Christianity, but there's no evidence of their Christianity. He calls that dead faith. Faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead faith. He mentions it in chapter, in, his, in, in verse 20. Faith without works is dead. He mentions it the third time in verse, faith without works is dead. Amen? You know what faith without works means? It's identified as it were a corpse without life, lying in the casket, all dressed up, all made up, looking very lifelike, but with no internal life principle, no breath, no movement, nothing but a mannequin with a painted smile. You say you have faith? Tell me about it. What's your testimony? I ask for testimonies in churches. You can't get a peep out of anybody. Why? God should have done something in your life in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Can you say that? God should have done something in your life in the last 48 hours. At least in the last week, there should be something for you to talk about what God has done. How God led you. How God opened up an opportunity. Can you say amen? How God stopped the mouth of a lion in your case. Can you say amen? How God intervened for you. If you're not having any of those kinds of incidents in your life, my friend, you're probably living dead faith. Oh, you got the right Jesus on your dashboard. Can you say amen? You got the right cross hanging around your neck. You know all the words to the songs, but there's no real evidence that you truly have faith. Because when you got faith, son, something's going to change about you, about your world around you. Can you say amen? Because God is in the business of seeing things transformed. So as any faithful pastor should, and I will, I want to warn people about the reality of a non-saving faith. So James has that desire as well. He has already brought it back up in chapter 1. Do you remember this verse? Be ye doers of the word. Somebody say doers of the word. Not hearers of the word only. Amen. Because I'll tell you what, if you're just a, if you're just a hearer of the word, what's going to happen is you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. In other words, don't be under the illusion that because you hear the truth and your mind affirms that truth, that that's enough. What is enough is when you begin to produce truth in your life, in your living. When I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, oh, glory to God, I knew that I knew that my life could never be the same. Can you say amen? I knew that. I could never be the same, never think the same, never walk the same, never live the same. And anything, any other effort or attempt or denial would have undermined the very act of him redeeming me. When you're born again of the Holy Ghost of God, the Spirit of God, when you're born again and your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, let me tell you something. People know you're different. I said they know you're different. I was standing in the grocery store the other day, minding my own grocery cart, by the way. Standing there with the long queues, you know, long lines. And I'm standing there. And a stranger rolls up in one of those wheelchairs, you know, that drives, you know, one of those driving wheelchairs. She rolled up to me and said, are you a pastor? I go, yeah. She said, would you pray for me? So I reached over there right in the grocery checkout line. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. And I just began to pray for her right there. And everybody looking around. They're going to know. They're going to know. They may not be able to articulate what's different about you. Amen. 
But the way you live, the way you express yourself, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk. And I'm not talking about walking around being a Bible-thumping annoyance. Can you say amen? Just annoying people to death with your doctrine. One time I was back here. One time I was back here. I tried to, I tried to live in Alabama one time and God saved me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm playing. But I worked at a little shirt factory over here called Tollgate. Anybody know, ever remember that thing? And my job was to pull the big bolts of cloth out and bring them inside to the guys who cut the, cut the patterns. And there was two individuals. <laughs> one of them was uh, a Southern Baptist and the other was a Freewell Baptist. And all day long, and I didn't know nothing about doctrine, but every time I come in there, those two boys, one was on one of the side of the table cutting, the other was on the other side of the table. And you know what they were doing? They were feuding over once saved, always saved, or whether you should wash feet or not. <laughs> I thought to myself, and I didn't even know Jesus. And I thought, really? That's what your religion is about? It didn't make no sense to me. Come on, somebody. Oh, they had the right, in their minds, they had the right doctrines, and they fought over them. They championed their faith. They championed their faith, but they weren't living by faith. They weren't convincing anybody that Jesus could change. They didn't convince me that Jesus could change my life. It took a Bible in a hotel room in Salem, Oregon, 1973. While I was smoking marijuana smoke on the side of my bed, I picked up the Bible and started reading to it, reading it, and it's and it, and it, and it and it delivered its message right through that. All of that narcotic, it delivered its message. Can you say amen? Yeah. That all the rivers run to the sea, but the sea is never full. And two weeks later, with a stolen Gideon Bible, I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Yeah. Faith, says James, without a corresponding change of life, without a transformation, without a product, has no evidence, therefore it is not real. If your life doesn't have any of those qualities that show you've changed, your Christianity is dead, man. It's dead in the door. It don't mean a thing. Not to God. But Lord, let us into your heaven. Why? We cast out devils in your name and prophesied in your name. God says, well, I never knew you. What a sad epitaph that is. Non-saving, dead, lifeless faith is known by the absence of righteous works Righteous deeds. When did we do this for you, Lord? He said, when you gave this cup of water in my name, you did it as unto me. Somebody was talking about their babies going on a mission trip. I prayed for them today. I don't remember who it was. They They went to Brazil. And they said, we just were praying for a big number to get saved. I said, hey, sissy, if one gets saved, it'll be worth the trip. Somebody shout amen. I think Jesus would have died for one. For one. You got a minute? I'm going to take you a step further. Faith is invisible. You can just tell me you have faith. I can't see that faith unless you show me that faith. You tell me you're a Christian? Really? Give me your testimony. Can you tell me Can any of you here tell me why you're a Christian, how you became a Christian, how you know you're a Christian, and why you believe that your Christianity is a real deal? If you can, then there's evidence there. Can you say amen? You should be able to do that. I can look at Brother Israel, and I know he's a real deal. I can look at Brother Scotty, and I can know he's a real deal. I look at Brother Steve. Brother Steve, let me tell you something, folks. When you and I get to heaven... You're going to look way up yonder, really way up by the throne. Guess who's going to be sitting up there? Brother Steve. Now, I'm serious now. You want to tell you why? Because he takes care of the widows. He mows the lawns. He helps people. Can you say amen? He's always there for someone. No deed is too large or too hard or too difficult. That's real Christianity. I said that's real Christianity. I see his faith. He don't have to come around here arguing doctrine with me or arguing this with me. Can you say, man? 
He doesn't tell me have to do that. I see it happening. I see his love for people. I see his care for people. I see his care for his children and his family. I see how his babies grew up became mighty women of God. Come on, somebody shout amen. There's evidence there. There ought to be evidence in your home. Can you say that? There ought to be evidence in your home. Dad, when I come to your home, your home ought to feel like Jesus is in there. Because you're the priest of that home, and when I come in that house, guess what? I ought to feel like I belong there, amen? I shouldn't feel like a stranger. I should feel like I'm among the people of God. I'm among the family of God. Because faith here is real faith. It's not enough to say you have faith. That don't prove anything. That's merely an affirmation. May or may not be true. I don't know. Faith, in a sense, is like the wind. I didn't see the wind last night, but you can see where it's been, can't you? <laughs> Hallelujah. It leaves evidence. Faith leaves evidence wherever it goes. I was telling them I was on a trip to, to Russia, and, and I have been working in, I've been working in London among the asylum seekers, Russians that have been fleeing Russia after perestroika. They came to, they came to places like London and Germany and France trying to find a life. That's why they cross the border. Have you been to Mexico? Man, I'd be, I'd be swimming that river myself. Hello? Don't you worry about that. If all I knew all I had to do was get across that river, I could find me a job, you better believe I'd be crossing it. People got to live. We're all on this ball of mud. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need borders. Don't get me wrong. Because we need to keep the bad guys out. Yes. And then we need to help to let the good guys in. With that said, we got to be careful about who we let in. Some profess to be good guys, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm not going to go down there because I still want to be friends when I leave her. Here's what I want to tell you. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And you can appreciate it. Because faith has a feeling. Faith People say, well, you don't have to have feelings to have faith. I don't know about you. I, like, I got feelings when I got faith. I fell in love with Jesus. I got emotional about Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. And when I don't feel that emotion, I start asking myself, what's the matter with you, boy? Huh? What's the matter with you? You need, you need, you need to get a, close, a, little closer to the, a little closer to the Lord. Amen. Don't hang, your, don't hang your harp on the willow. Pick it up and start singing. Glory to God. I gotta keep going here. Faith is not known to be real until it has evidence, action. All right, kids, let me ask you a question. Why did you come to church tonight? Because the girls are pretty? That's why I used to go to church. Oh, it's true, I have to admit it. And them holy rollers, they had the prettiest girls, Lordy mercy. Amen. Of course, I was too bashful. I wouldn't have done nothing no way, but. Is that why you came to church? You think the youth group is about going to Disney World? You think the youth group's about, you know, game of ping pong? I don't guess you can play ping pong anymore. Whatever they do. No. Youth group's about knowing God. About learning about Jesus. About getting filled with his presence and power, can you say, man? Like serving him the way you do. You need to take that, what you're doing up there. Let me just say this. Let me be a critic for a minute, okay? I love what you did. But you need to take it more serious. Yes. Prayerfully serious. Yes. Prayerfully serious. Take those rehearsal times to heart. Yeah, you got good buddies, and it's all right. always nice to be with your buddies. But listen, you're getting ready to do something for Jesus. Can you say, man? You're going to do something for Jesus. You want to do the best you can. And that'll show your faith. That'll show your faith. Elders in the church. Elders. Just because you're old doesn't mean you get the right just to sit on the pew. <laughs> you say that. You need to be using that wisdom. You've lived a long time. You got that gray hair for a reason. Amen. It's time that you start using that gray hair and that wisdom prayerfully. Prayerfully praying. 
for your pastor, prayerfully praying for the body of Christ, prayerfully praying for these young people. Can you say amen? And the mission of your church and the vision of your church. Does your church have a vision? Is there some place you want to go, something more you want to do? Amen? If you don't, you need to start getting together and start praying, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? Surely you don't mean for us to sit here till the rapture comes. Let's occupy and do business for Jesus. Faith in James's mind, you must understand this, is a statement equal or a word equal to spiritual life. When he, says, when he says faith without works is dead, what James really means is this, if I can clarify it this way, that spiritual life without works is dead. There's no real life there at all unless you show me a transformed life. There's no way that your faith can be verified to me or in fact to you. Now I want you to take this message to heart my dear brethren and sisters, because I want you to begin to enjoy your Christianity at a whole other level. And the way to do that is for you to start really seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. I called my grandson Gabriel the other day. He's going to be a junior next year. And, he, and, and, and he's a tremendous ball player. I call him the natural, not because he's my boy, but because he is. I don't flatter people just to tell them they're good when they're not good. If you're not good, I'm going to tell you. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you, work on it. You'll get better. But listen, he's, he's got the goods, but he got burned out on baseball. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, organized sports, they exploit these children tremendously. They exploit them. Sad, but it's true. Amen. All the coaches care about is the win. And it's don't be, it isn't fun anymore. So he quit. It saddened me that he quit. But hey, I can't make him play baseball. You got to want to do it. Amen. But he, his mother told me that he is going to try out for the team. And I thought, well, he'll, he'll make the team. That's not a problem. But, can't, but will his heart be there? So I waited and I said, hey, I want to tell Gabby to give me a call. Give me a call, man. Because, see, I had to talk to him like a pastor. You went? And I said, Gabby, listen, buddy. I'm really happy to hear that you're trying out. But here's what I want to ask you. Are you reading the Word of God? It got quiet. He said, no, Pop, but Mom's reading it to me. <laughs> I said, well, thank the Lord. I said, but here, I want you to really think about what I'm telling you tonight. Can you say amen? I want you to get into the word of God. I want you to, I want you to do that because that, that's where you're going to find the real reason for living, the real reason to do anything, yes. the purpose of life. Here's some, here's some things to help you, and I'm quitting. Practice your faith. Amen. Practice trusting the Lord, believing, surrendering, resting upon, casting yourself upon the Lord. Young people, when's the last time that you came up here and bowed yourself at this altar? Bowed yourself at this altar, not thinking about your pals, not thinking about your buddies. How about you, church? When's the last time you came to the altar and just said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm here. I just need you to touch my life. I need you to open my heart. I need you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I need you to help me to draw closer to you, Lord. I, I am going to hunger and thirst after you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want the power of God working in my life. I want my faith to be real. Yes. You say, well, I don't have to do it there, Brother Johnny. No, you don't. Or would you do it somewhere else? How about in your room at night? You got time enough to turn off the uh, AT&T or the Verizon and actually talk to God, practicing your faith, learning the word of God, praying, meditating. You know the most important service in my church every week? We got a great church. You know the most important church in my, uh, service in my church? Friday night. It's prayer time. Friday night, we come in there at 7 o'clock. We don't talk, normally. We don't, we don't sing. You know what we do? We pray. We pray. We pray for one another. We pray for the, the church. We pray for each other's needs. We pray for each other's families. We pray. We pray. We pray. We pray. We pray. Why are we praying? Because we believe that God can do things. Can you say amen? 
But the, he, first he's got to do it in me. So practice your spiritual life, praying, meditating on God's word. How many of you listen to the word of God every day? You don't, you don't have to read the Bible. I got, a, I got an app on my phone. While I'm eating my oatmeal, the guy's reading the word of God to me. <laughs> Can you say amen? And I'm listening to it. And sometimes I'll pick it up and follow him along. So my eyes are seeing it too. You should do that every single day. Every single day. Every one of you should be going through the Bible this year, chapter by chapter. It don't take any time at all. You'll be through the whole Bible. That's practicing your faith. Practicing your faith. I challenge you. I challenge you to do that. Because if you do these things, not only are you going to discover that you're living by faith, but you're going to discover that your faith is real and nurturing. Young people, listen, I'm talking to these young people because they're really on my heart. You guys are in my scope tonight. Do you know of anyone who could use your help? When my daughter was in finishing her last year, she went to a boarding school. And uh, that's the only way we could get her out of the house. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> she saw the need. It was across the street from the school was this little old lady, and my daughter would go over there and help her with her chores. Amen? And you know what she learned from that? That God had a great love more than she realized she had. I challenge you to begin to challenge yourself. Can you say amen? To be a part of nurturing something, helping someone. There's so many ways that you can get involved. I want you to do that. Well, you might have thought, well, you didn't preach tonight. You just meddled in our lives. Well, that's my job. My job is to meet you where the rubber meets the road. Can you say amen? Yes. That's what I want to do is meet where the rubber meets the road. Now, listen, fellas. If you, will, if you will discover this right now at your, at your, at your young age, how, how many of you, you older folks agree with it? If you find this now at your young age, it's going to save you a lot of heartaches. Now, old brother Johnny knows what he's talking about. I've been to hell and back. I know what it, I know what it looks like. I know what it smells like. I, I faced the devil, fa not face to face, but in a spiritual sense, face to face. It was only by the grace of God that he pulled me out of that horrible pit but had I known the Lord at an early age, had I known, I could live my life a lot differently. I don't want you to take this message for granted. I want you to take this thing as what happened tonight here for you is an opportunity to hear truth that will change your life. It will change your life. And that goes for the rest of us too. Can you say amen? We need to really concentrate on that. Okay, I'm going to quit before the lights go out. <laughs> Anybody got a question? Anybody got a comment? You want to make a comment? Come on. This is your turn. You get to do it. Maybe you're not used to doing that. I always give the church the last word. Got a comment? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma